And welcome back, everyone, to yet another edition of Going for Two, the official podcast of the Extra Points newsletter. It's brought to you by our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of said newsletter, Matt Brown, coming in here from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. I'm joined here by my friend and colleague, Brian Fisher. And I want to open the show, Brian, with a public apology. Because do you you probably recall how we ended our last broadcast, right? I, I do. I believe you made a prediction on uh, said coaching market going into the weekend after uh, three straight weeks of, of Power 5 firings. That is exactly it. And I said, I think we're going to go a week without anybody being fired. And lo and behold, not only did we not go a week without everybody anybody getting fired, we got two people fired. One person, I think not exactly a shock. Uh, this was something you know we had talked both on air and off air. The regime change at Colorado was likely it was just a question of when the proverbial checks dropped um and then wisconsin which was not expected um at, at least by anybody that i've talked to i think from people that you've talked to and that's a a program i know decently well they've made a, a change and now we are looking at we're in october and there's still a couple of people that are on very hot seats where we could still be doing the same fire coach every single week i don't know how great that is for college athletics governance i don't know how great that is for uh, team success. It is very convenient, though, for if you were running a weekly podcast. It, it absolutely is. And uh, you're, you're right about the shock factor. I mean, I, I talked with uh, a number of coaches and, you know, it was, it was all kind of disbelief that, uh, you know, especially because because Paul Christ was he was an alum. He, he was, you know, Matt, Madison native, grew up not too far from, from Camp Randall. I mean, like you talk about uh, in, in heavily involved in, in that program's history over the last couple of decades. And this is a school that has not fired anybody in, in football for three decades. Like, you, you know, we, we were babies the last time, uh, so, you know, uh, Wisconsin ended up firing a football coach and I, I think that it does speak stability of that place but also like how how it almost out of left field uh, this was now not to say this was not kind of telegraphed a, a little bit um, you know I, I think everybody kind of understood that uh, especially after not only after that Illinois game but but also just kind of the trend of results that you know Paul Christ was was kind of trending the wrong way and, and that uh, could put him under a very warm seat I, I don't think anybody expected a firing mode this week uh, I think that that was where the shock was was it was Happened very quickly after that Illinois game. Un- unquestionably, I—I uh, I mean, you're right on both on both counts. Typically, if you are the native son or somebody that has a, a very high degree of cultural fluency or cultural ties to a market, you get the benefit of the doubt, right? This is why Scott Frost got that extra year uh, or extra three games, you know, as it were, right? Because you're the you're the the local boy that that does good here. And Paul Chris, I, I joked about this earlier on the in, on news and extra points, but. The man looks and talks like every third person you meet at Menards. He's a very Wisconsin person, um, and you know, from 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 the area. And so you typically don't drop those people at the drop of a hat if you are Wisconsin. If he, if Paul Crest had been the coach at Auburn, maybe different situation or like a, an old Miss or something, right? Um, the program is unquestionably in decline. I mean, I, how much Wisconsin football have you watched this year? Because I have watched most of their games. I, I have too, um, you know, especially uh, given that uh, that's a big uh, upset uh, that Washington State that I think kind yeah. of 
pointed to there's something going on here that uh, maybe we need to pay a little bit more attention to. And 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 let's face it, I mean, this is a, a unique case. Uh, you you have an alum uh, who has been in the football program, knows that place well, and, and Chris McIntosh, this is his first really big move as, as AD. Um, you know, and he, he's firing an alum and installed another alum in, in Jim Leonard, which we can kind of get into in, yeah. in just a little bit in terms of him taking over. But, um, you know, very kind of similar to to Nebraska. You, you have an alum AD who is a All-American football player there. Um, you know, kind of taking over, and this is kind of his first big imprint on the program. Is uh, not only showing a, a beloved alum the door, but but also uh, undergoing a potential search here. Now, now, I don't know exactly necessarily if there's going to be a full full national search. This is very much an addition for Jim Leonard, and, and I think everybody kind of views it that way. But um, I, I mean, just the, the shock of the move. I, I still don't know if that's that's going to wear off in a couple of weeks at this point. Uh, you know, I, I I mentioned it on a on the Head Coach You podcast. Uh, we we had Chris Peterson in um, from Fox Sports, and uh, you know, he he was in disbelief. Bronco Mendenhall was was in disbelief that uh, this this happened uh, not just to to Paul Chris, but uh, you know, to just to somebody who is so connected to the program. I want to talk about that Wisconsin Nebraska parallel here because i i think that that may be an apt comparison on on a couple of different fronts one of the things that i think is is unique and, in, and interesting about the wisconsin football program and really i think the wisconsin athletic department in, in many ways is that this is a program that i think has been run with uncommon uniformity and purpose and scheme and culture for virtually my entire lifetime this it, it, the, the wisconsin football that that if you are under 35 that you've grown up watching is in the imprint of Barry Alvarez, either Barry Alvarez football coach, Barry Alvarez administrator. There is a certain kind of way that Wisconsin has won a lot of those games. And I think it's interesting because it, I think it, well, not a one-to-one, -one, it's similar to how Nebraska won a lot of football games and that you are going to have an industry leading strength and conditioning program. Uh, one that to the best of my knowledge is not a strength and conditioning program, like maybe early nineties Nebraska was, but like, you know, this is part of, you know, read a book, everybody. Um, you know, but you know, part part of that, uh, of, of, you want to be a developmental program, right? You are you are taking lightly regarded guys uh, in your in your backyard and throughout the the Great Lakes. You are coaching them up for several years, and you are producing NFL caliber offensive and defensive linemen, linebackers, and then you hope that you get just enough speed at running back and potentially defensive backfield to win ball control oriented games and, you know, a, a system where you're recruiting four or five blue chip players, but you're developing really well. You're not having a ton of turnover with your, with your, uh, with your assistants and everything. And it's very clear what the Wisconsin blueprint looks like. And it's been for 25 years, more or less very successful. And it was even successful for a while with, with Paul Chris, Paul Chris went to a Rose bowl um, the past couple of years. I want to say they've only finished in the top 25 once since 2017, but, and this is how Nebraska won a lot of games too. However, that plan sometimes is you have to change that plan because of what happens outside of college, outside of your program, right? So for Nebraska, the plan that worked really well in the 70s, 80s, and 90s becomes less successful moving forward because Prop 48 changes. And so you're, the, the kinds of athletes that you're able to recruit and, and, and bring on campus, is, is uh, that pool shrinks. Because college football shifts to a world where television becomes much more important than ticket sales, and you are in a market where you can't properly take advantage of that, your recruiting footprint changes. Uh, and it seemed like every national change was set in a way that was negative towards Nebraska, even though they had expectations and money and history and fans. When I look at Wisconsin right now, I don't want to take anything away of the fact that they've hired coaches well. 
They've developed athletes very well. They know exactly what they are, and they've done that very well. Uh, I I believe a significant part of the reason that they've been able to be so consistent is because they play in the bad division in the Big Ten Conference, and they do not have to play the teams on the other side who recruit better players at most positions as often um, as they do teams like Northwestern and Minnesota and Illinois, uh, where Wisconsin can reliably out-execute, even though they have similar caliber of talent. That's changing. The Big Ten is going to move to 16 teams, uh, barring something absolutely crazy from the California regions. And UCLA and USC should reliably have better raw talent. Maybe not a better football team, but better raw personnel than Wisconsin will be able to recruit. You're also likely going to move away from divisions. So in the foreseeable future, Wisconsin is going to play Penn State and Michigan and Ohio State and Maryland more often than they've been playing some of these teams here before. So I, I think there are reasonable questions about what the floor is of this program. You've been able to do one thing in a particular era of college football for a long time. Um, and even at their best, Wisconsin usually got put into a garbage can by Ohio State. Um, you know, the, Brett Bielma uh, had, to, had a, a couple of good games. They played them close. But I think Ohio State's on like a seven-plus game win streak. Purdue's beaten them more often. Michigan's been uh, uh, held an advantage in that series uh, almost as commandingly. So – I would have a concern if you're going to fire a guy and spend a lot of money and essentially try to double down on somebody who is equally Wisconsin. Jim Leonard, as what we know, very good defensive mind, somebody who is in demand, not just among other college programs, but even the NFL to call plays, younger guy. But to the best of my knowledge, I don't think he's coached anywhere other than Wisconsin. He played at Wisconsin. He grew up in Wisconsin. He was hired and molded by the guy that they just fired. So if the blueprint might need to be altered in some way, do you triple down on just executing that same the, the same issue before? Do you hope that somebody who is you know, almost as Wisconsin as Paul Christ can alter the blueprint in a way that's more sustainable? I, I, I'm not saying that what they did here was wrong. I, I, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other, but I would have some concerns because when the blueprint changes, like we saw at Nebraska and like we saw at Minnesota, you know, earlier in my childhood with Glenn Mason, guys, you can do a hell of a lot worse than consistently average in, in a world where the floor of your program falls. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think when we talk about Wisconsin, we, we, we mention it all the time on the show about alignment. You know, this is a place that is aligned from top to bottom and uh, not just in, in the football program, but uh, across all programs. And, uh, you know, just the the consistency that they have had uh, over these past couple of decades, um, you know, is, is a testament to to Barry Alvarez, certainly. But the, also, the, you know, the school administration, and a lot of the boosters, you know, making sure they are all pulling in in the right direction. And, um, you know, I, I think this this move in particular, um, you know, does have a couple of factors in it. And I, and I, I think we cannot. Uh, overlook the fact that, um, you know, Paul Chris can be a, a bit of a stubborn man. And, and I think that was uh, played <laughs> yes. a little bit into this, you know, like uh, I think as, as much as it is about potentially doubling down uh, with Jim Leonard on uh, having another alum in there, somebody that, that can run the program, but um, you know, Jim, Jim brings some different things and uh, you know, he is, he's a younger guy recruiting has slipped off a, a little bit the last couple of years. I think he's, he's somebody that can look to energize that operation. Um, you know, this is a program that does not have a, a bajillion analysts or, uh, uh, no, you know, people on that recruiting side. It's a small staff, a much smaller staff, pers just personnel-wise, than I think you would expect for a program that expects to recruit at a top 30 level with Wisconsin resources. 
So yeah, I, I think that's something that uh, you know, if, if you're talking about taking the the kind of job and and, and really making it your own, that's, that's something that, that Jim would is gonna is gonna go to his AD and and uh, the rest of the the board and say, you know, what, we we need uh, some money for five or six different analysts. And and I think uh, you know, truthfully, Paul Chris taking uh, you know, kind of only a, a 10, uh, 10 or eleven million dollar buyout. Uh, is is helpful in that respect. You know, this is this is actually a, a pretty palatable uh, coaching change when when you look at it from from that number versus the the kind of nineteen and a half million dollar number that it was originally supposed to be. And and I think yeah. that uh, that can help this this search and can help this 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 program moving forward. But um, at at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to have energy in recruiting. You kind of got to go after some some new targets. And you know, frankly, the the recent staff uh, you know additions just have not worked out there at Wisconsin. You know, I think they're yep. owed uh, kind of largely to to Paul Chris knowing some people. Can, Getting them in, uh, you know, pretty much basically having this, the same style, and I, I'm not sure that's that's going to be the case uh, with, with Jim Leonard. And um, you know, I think that's kind of the big hope is that uh, you know, yes, you can kind of get through this this year and and hopefully um, you know, kind of limp along to the finish line. But in terms of those those big changes going forward, you know, and, and beyond proving yourself uh, between the lines on on Saturday when it comes to timeout management and uh, you know how how you. You know, deal with the end of game situations. You know, you you definitely got to learn on the job on this front. But um, you know. Finding quarterbacks, you know, in the transfer portal, making sure that you're developing uh, guys. We we know they do offensive line. We know they do running backs just fine. Uh, that has not been the issue. He, even some some wide receivers have come through there, um, you know, from time to time. But it, it's all about that quarterback position. They really not have not gotten that play uh, consistently, uh, the, these last couple of years, uh, with Graham Mertz and, uh, you know, instead of looking around, instead of bringing in other guys, um, yes, there were some, certainly some rumors about, uh, Caleb Williams, uh, going up to, to Madison and, uh, early years. And it's kind of crazy to think about that, but I bringing in, forgot about that. Yeah. Bringing in some, some massive, you know, at least some competition for, for Graham Mertz to kind of push him in the quarterback room. That really has not happened. And as much as you want to be a developmental program, you also got to win now. And, and the quarterback is, is the most important position. So it, it's, going to be interesting to see how how Jim Leonard ultimately wants to evolve on that side of the ball um, if, if he ends up getting the job and you know whether um, this is this could be a stark change for the, the program itself and and getting away from uh, simply lining up in that I formation and, and running off tackle like I, I think if, if those days might end up being gone and um, some new ideas and, and some some fresh faces on, on that side of the ball are, are going to do wonders for Wisconsin but it is a fascinating experiment because you have six or seven games upcoming in terms of deciding whether you actually want to do a full search right now yeah. uh, with Jim Leonard and then kind of where you go from there. And it's not like they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs the rest of this season. So even if, hey, your roster's given up a little bit or some people are banged up or they're already kind of thinking about backup plans, with the with the culture shock shift, like you can be competitive again and 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 potentially win some of these games uh, to move forward. But I think the last thing that's especially interesting to me about this job, and then we can talk about Colorado, we can talk about some of these other places, is on the recruiting front. Because you look at the school that has been, you know, winning eight, nine, 10, 11 games for 25 years, almost every season that has a lot of NFL alumni, very clearly defined identity and lots of money, you know, not unlimited money, but a, 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 you know, a, a big 10 check and a, a gigantic school and everything. This program has never recruited especially well. During in in the in the recruiting rankings era, I was actually I was just triple checking this while while we were talking here. Yes, it has dipped a little bit, but the average within the Big Ten over the last like twelve years has been around sixth. And in, in a really good year, they might sign the fourth or fifth best class. In a bad year or a small class year, they're down eleventh or twelfth. It's you might have somewhere between two and six blue chip players, and they're generally going to be in state kids. 
which are more likely to be defenders or linemen than they are skill position players. Um, and, and then every so often you get like a Logan Brown or somebody who's out of state, but, but those, those are, those have been, have been few and far between. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Part of the reason Wisconsin's really cold. Um, I, I, I adore Madison. We were very close to buying a house there. My, my, my mom went to school there. We, we've, we've lived there for a while. It is not always a fun place to be in November, December, and January. Wisconsin as a state doesn't produce a ton of big 10 caliber guys, and Notre Dame and Ohio State and Michigan are going to be aggressive. So you're going into the Chicago suburbs. You're going into Ohio. You're going into into Minnesota and 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 also and also into Texas and Florida, like everybody else is going. So you know that is a struggle. Wisconsin is also not a school where you can really recruit JUCOs. I think they've signed one JUCO kid in like the last decade. It is one of the most difficult schools for an athlete to get into academically in the Big Ten. And that's not the same thing as saying it's one of the best schools in the Big Ten. Wisconsin is a it's a great school. Almost everybody in this league is academically selective. Like, I'm not interested in a pissing match about, like, well, is Illinois better than Michigan? Who cares? To take it up with U.S. News. But I know, like, in terms of having a, a university that is willing to be uh, very accommodating uh, towards people who need to transfer into the program or who maybe don't have as many math credits or need some more flexibility, this is not a place that offers that. It's not Stanford, but it's way stricter than Ohio state. Um, and which, which limits a little bit what you could potentially do there in the portal. And, um, there, Madison is, I, I was just joking about this with my buddy, Richard Johnson over at sports illustrated. There's, there's a couple of places that I think that are, I think I have the best way I could put this. There are a few play, college towns in college sports that are very attractive to a middle-aged sports writer. Um, Fort Collins is one of these places. Madison is one of these places. I, you know, I'm, I'm in that demographic there myself. Boulder, Colorado, which we'll talk about there in a second, is one of these places. There are places where guys in their mid-30s or early 40s, mostly white guys, you know, a lot of dads, would love to spend three days. And they, you go there and you spend time and you think, this place is awesome. Surely you should be able to recruit here without realizing that maybe the kind of things that make a campus or a city or a region attractive to a, 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 a guy that owns Wilco uh, on vinyl versus a running back might be different things. And Wisconsin, like many other institutions in the Big Ten, um, uh, will face some challenges in that regard. So I don't know, even if you bring in a dynamic guy, um, and it's not like Wisconsin's booster culture is ready to turn into Auburn's or, or Texas A&M's tomorrow. They haven't, they haven't found oil in Green Bay. Um, I don't know if you can ever make this a place where you're recruiting at a top 15 level. I think it's, I mean, you need some more staff. You need to be creative there. But I don't know if that ever changes the DNA of being a developmental program unless we're looking at this four years from now and climate change you know, forces population to move back north again and now all the good football players uh, are in Appleton. You know what I mean? Well, I, I don't know if they're they're going to Appleton uh, for for that one, but but I I, I agree with, with your point. yeah, I agree with your points. Um, you know, I, I think it is important to say that in in the NIL era and one time transfer, you know what? Because you are a big team, because you offer those opportunities, you know, I, I think the calculus does change you know, slightly in in terms of what you're able to offer, kind of that recruiting base that you're able to. Yeah, you, this is always going to be a program that is going to lean into uh, recruiting those those big offensive linemen that they know that they can de develop over time. That that's really in, in this era in particular one of the biggest strengths that the program has is yeah. because they can lean on that. That you know you. You cannot get left tackles out of the portal. You know, every every coach in the country would, would like one. You know, and, and they do, do not. They rarely go into the portal. And, and I think in in an NIL era where you can 
attractive quarterback, perhaps, to, to be that big man on campus. When you can get a, a wide receiver or two, especially from the group of five level that wants to play in those Big Ten stadiums, I, I think Wisconsin can be a, a higher ceiling program. Now, not to say that, you know, it, in, in a newly constructed, um, you know, multi-team division, you know, whatever divisionless structure that they're going to have uh, in, in the Big Ten going forward, that's not to say that they're going to consistently make it to Indianapolis for, for the Big Ten championship game or consistently be right there with Ohio State or Michigan. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's, it's wrong to think that, you know what, they, they could end up in, in the right circumstances. Maybe they end up hosting a, a playoff game or, or playing in one in an expanded 12-team format. You know, they, they could finish third in the Big Ten and, and be one of those teams uh, in, in that mix. I, I think that is kind of the, the ceiling at this point. And, and I think going for it to, and, and, and juicing things up uh, ahead of this era, you can kind of understand where, where they're coming from. But um, it, it's still going to take some some work. Um, you know, this is a, a program that has been so set in its ways. And I, I think, uh, you know, to, to Chris McIntosh's credit, you know, he, he's saying, you know what, we, we, we want to do better. It, it, we're going to get left behind at this point if we do not make a change now. And and I think that was a lot of that in terms of uh, his heart to heart with Paul Christ is, is making changes and making changes to, to make the program better. And uh, we'll see how it plays out. It, it's going to be a fascinating case study and really kind of reaffirms, you know, that this is such a, a crazy coaching carousel. It, it might not be uh, the, the big names and, and the blue bloods that we had like the last couple of years. You know, you, you had your your Texas and USC's and, and Florida's open up. But, um, you know, th- this this could portend a little bit of chaos at, at programs that, you know, are, are yearning to to kind of break out of, of some slumps and, and uh, look ahead towards uh, really doing more in an era where, you can change your team overnight. We're, we're seeing that right now with with the yeah. USC. You know, I, I think when, when I went in and, and evaluated USC for for all of our, our athlon preseason magazines and, and doing stuff for for Fox Sports, like I, I looked at USC, it's like um they, they could probably win the the Pac-12, but but now we're talking about they're being college football play, playoff contenders, and and that's after bringing in like 26, 27 guys uh, through the transfer portal. So so it can be done. Now a little bit of a different test case given USC compared to say an, an SMU or some of these other coaching changes that have happened recently. But um, you know, I, I think the 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 amount of time and patience that a lot of these programs are having for kind of waiting around to, to get get over to winning, I, I think that is is slowly being being thrown out the door, and we're seeing that with a lot of these these coaching changes right now. There is, I want to talk about a place where you are unlikely to turn over the roster and add twenty eight people and then immediately compete for national uh, for a college football playoff bid that is also opened up. But before we do, because this is a natural segue here as we are shifting conversations to quickly. Remind people that this show is sponsored by our dear friends at Home Field Apparel. They are our friends in Indianapolis. They make clothes. They make clothes with vintage college sports designs and logos that you found from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, or maybe the 70s and the 80s. They make t-shirts. They make hoodies. They make stickers. They make sweatpants. They are obscenely comfortable, and that's why it's almost the only thing that I wear during the day if I'm not doing any connect videos or any kind of, uh, you know, on camera work, why I need to appear to be a little bit more of a serious professional. This is generally what I'm wearing today. I am wearing the script Illinois shirt, rocking the, uh, the, the in-state pride here. We've got the fighting Gamecocks. Um, it's good of you to, to support the cock commander here on this, on this program. Proud collegiate sports connect partner as well. So That's just, all, just throwing that out there. You, you are a consummate professional much more so uh, than I am. But um, we're glad to shill for Homefield because they are our friends and they've been supporting our friends and they make really great stuff. Uh, they're about to drop a Wyoming collection. And I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I understand that there are people that adore the Wyoming color combination. 
I am not one of those people. This is not a, I, 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 this is not a collection where I am going to be tempted to spend all of my money. However, for people that do like vintage Wyoming cowboy stuff and look good in brown uh, or look good in yellow and brown, and those people do exist, the Stephen Godfrey's of the world, you're going to love this because they've got some really cool, fun, old fonts, uh, old timey Pistol Pete's, or I'm actually, I'm, I'm not sure. I assume every cowboy looking mascot is Pistol Pete. I don't know if that's his actual name. Um, you're going to love it. What I, I am going to spend some money on the ECU collection. Um, the the official adopted G5 program of Matt Brown and Extra Points MB. You can get all your own stuff here too by going to homefieldapparel.com and using promo code Extra Points to save 15% off that first order. And if you would like to get your stuff, your IP involved with Homefield, drop me a line. I'm at matt at extrapointsmb.com. Um, I don't remember. I think they have Colorado, right? They do. I have a a, uh, Colorado shirt, as a matter of fact, uh, somewhere upstairs in my closet. The Run Ralphie Run shirt. That's right. Um, Yeah, I have the the thing pulled up right now. Lots of of cartoon buffalo um, and also a great color scheme. So Colorado's open. Um, That's the other gig. Colorado has not had two consecutive winning seasons in football since like the 90s. Basically this decade or yeah, this, this century. Yeah, it's it it is it's been a tough place. It has not been a place that has indefinite money. It has not been a place that had indefinite resources or an indefinite initial recruiting pool. Uh, they probably had to reach a little bit to hire Car Durrell, and we understand why that happened, and that clearly didn't work out, despite the kind of one flash in the pan during the COVID year. Brian, I, I mean, I, I don't think either of us are surprised that Colorado did this. Just this team, I, I, I want to be polite. This team sucks right now. It's they are the worst team in, in the power five. They are really, really bad. They don't have to be really, really bad forever. Where do you think they should go? Well, I, I think they got a number of directions and they actually have options this time. You know, I think when they hired Carl Durrell, everybody could have predicted how it was going to play out. You know, I mean, he just did, did, did not ring of like number one excitement. There was just zero of that <laughs> in the Carl Durrell era. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and Carl's a, a, a great guy. Like uh, you, you understand, um, you know, how they, they wanted to think, you know, maybe this is a stability hire, you know, and, and sure. given everything that, that happened, but uh, just in terms of, you know, kind of reaching above, you know, I, I think the, the, Pandemic season, a bit of a flash in the pan, finishing four and two there. But it has just been, it's been tough. And a lot of, I think a lot of it has underscored the limitations of the institution itself. You know, I mean, yeah, 20, 20 years ago, I mean, in, in 2001, they almost came came close to playing for the national title. And and yet here they are. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has gone down to, you know, yes, coaching misses. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough to recruit there. You know, I mean, you got to, you got to go into California. You got to go into Texas. And I think they've started to, they, they have not targeted kind of the right kind of folks they, they haven't even really recruited well in their own backyard you know i, I think they, they've only gotten a, a couple of the handful of blue chip prospects that come out of colorado they're really not considering um you know colorado you know they're going to texas yeah. they're going to usc or something like that you know if, if you're in ohio Oklahoma, state stanford yeah a lot of those programs have had more success in the state of colorado recruiting than than the quote unquote flagship university. And so I think when, when that is end up happening, um, you know, it, it just it kind of compounds the issue. And, um, you know, you go back to their, their success uh, back in the nineties. I mean, they were, they were recruiting kind of under the radar kids, you know, especially out of, out of California, uh, a lot from, from, you know, central LA um, and, and those parts of the country. And uh, they kind of went away from that. They, they just have not resonated in, in certain parts uh, that they once did. And, 
it's tough because I think everybody, uh, and this is uh, going back to your earlier point about a kind of a disconnect between what s- some folks in, in our age bracket might be looking for. You know, we, we all love Boulder. It, it's one of the great places to, to go and visit and see a game. I, I mean, you, you got uh, one of the more picturesque stadiums there. You got Ralphie running. It's great for, for us uh, as, as a viewpoint on, on college football, but um, a little different if, if you're, you know, say 17 years old and you're getting recruiting and, and uh, going out to a, to a station, but um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a very unique job. I think the, the, they do have options. Uh, certainly weren't you, you have the Illinois shirt on, you know, Ryan Walters, their DC uh, Colorado alum, you know, his name is going to get thrown up uh, quite a bit in terms of uh, th- this job. And uh, you know, be, would be very curious to see, you know, how, how firmly he's going to be in the mix. Cause I, I, I do think they, they would like somebody that is, fairly experienced because this is a tough job. You know, I, I think, uh, I, I know my, my podcast, other podcast partner, uh, Bronco Mendenhall's name is, is going to come up quite a bit. I think that would be a, a pretty good fit, you know, in terms of what he's, he's done in terms of developing talent, obviously have the, has the, all those connections out West. I think that's the, the town of Boulder would, would kind of em, embrace him and uh, he, he would love living there. So I think there's, you know, th- those type of coaches as well. Um, you know, and, and I think there's, you know, just a number of different candidates. So you, you have, uh, Matt in, in, uh, from, from North Dakota state, you know, that those type of, you know, maybe, a little bit of a lower level, but uh, you know Colorado could could look to him. So at least they have options this time. And I don't think they necessarily had a whole lot of options uh, after Mel Tucker left, but um, they they certainly landed on the wrong one. And uh, this was a, a change that I think uh, everybody could could end up seeing coming because you're right, they were if not the worst power five team, I, I think they, they had a case to, to be one of the worst teams in, in all of FBS this, this year. I mean, nothing, not at all competitive. And, um, you know, even in, in a pack 12 that, uh, you, you kind of look at that, that lower tier, they, they should be competitive, you know, with, with the Arizonas and Arizona States of the world. And, and they're, they're really not, uh, when you, when you look at them on the field. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know my friends at Split Zone Duo have talked about this before, and this sounds like something that I would love to sink a couple of days into in the offseason. I was, I was just triple-checking here. As a state, Colorado really doesn't produce much really top-end talent. And by that, I mean you, you're, you're going to have like two or three four-star kids in, in the you know, consensus over the course of a year, but generally only one of them is going to be in the top 300. So like your, your top player – is somebody that would be considered a developmental prospect at some a place like Oregon or Michigan or Ohio State. And Colorado has not been competitive there. Uh, they've rarely been competitive for the top five. Like the, almost all of those people have gone out of state. And it's interesting because I think over the last decade, the quality and the depth of high school football in other places in the Intermountain West has gotten better. Arizona, it's gotten a lot better as, as, the, as that state has grown. It's gotten a lot better in Utah where there's, I think, some, some meaningful depth even if there's not an enormous difference at, at, at the top of level. Um, and and Colorado is not a tiny state. So I don't know if that's a product of who's moving to Colorado or what the school systems are looking like. I would need to, I would need to consult local subject matter experts. But certainly having that, which is already split two other ways with other in-state institutions and the rest of the Pac-12 and I don't know who a conference you're going to be in in five years anyway. That 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 is a challenge. I, I I would agree with you. I I think I think we've mentioned this before. I know I've said this on 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 radio in in, in Utah. Uh, that's very interesting in what Bronco Mendenhall does next. I think he'd probably fit pretty well here too, because the the advantage for this kind of job is you are going to have a more patient administration. Because even in the transfer portal era, I don't think anybody's expecting Colorado to win eight games next year. You have to be better than you are right now, but that's not that hard because right now. You're not even a 500 team in conference USA. So if you just get to like average, 
That, that's the thing that yeah. I think, you know, is, is so frustrating for, for Colorado fans is like the, the base is so low right now. Like, like at least if you're OK, yeah. you're flirting with with bowl eligibility and, and you're going five and seven and then seven and five and, and you're kind of fluctuating. There. That is so much better than, than what they have been right now. Like they have not even hit that kind of bar. And I, I think that's what ultimately is so frustrating for, for the bus fans out there yeah. is like not only did you have success, you you won a national title, um, you know, back back in the 90s. You, you have that history, that rich history, um, you know, of having success it's not that you're 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 thinking oh we can get back to there no i don't think anybody's is is thinking all right we're, we're gonna win a national title again uh they're in boulder but they do expect like some level of a decent floor to where you can at least be consistently competing for, for bowl games and i think it's a, it's a program that can be doing that with the right coach in place i don't think there's honestly i don't think there's any power five program where i fans could not dream of making back-to-back like insight bowls or whatever the generic P five, seven, the, the Jimmy Kimmel Christmas bowl classic presented by MasterCard or whatever it is, right? Like you should, if you have power five TV money and power five resources, even if you're in Illinois or Indiana, I think that is a, a, a reasonable goal. Like we should be a Rutgers like that, you know, that we, 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 with the right coach, we think we can go seven and five, two years in a row that we can go bowling even if it's uh, if it's 500, three, uh, you know, three out of four years. And they have not gone to back-to-back bowls since, since I was in high school, you know, 2004, 2005. So I, I think it's possible. So that I, looking at somebody who is going to come in there and say, like, I, I would be surprised knowing what I know about Bronco, and you know him better than I do, for him to come in and say, well, all right, we're going we're gonna to sign two top 30 classes. We're going to grab these two hot shots from the transfer portal, and, you know, and, and we're going to try to do X, Y, or Z. I think it would be more likely it's we're going to try to rebuild the culture. We're going to try to get some high schoolers. We're going to try to uh, to, to demonstrate an identity. And then by year three or four with these people that we've coached up and have kept with the program, then we'll maul you and, and win some 17 to three game where we put, you know, Oregon in hell. Uh, and, well, and you, you say that, but that. Uh, yeah. with, with Bronco in particular, I mean, he, as much as he is a defensive guy and he, he's known for, for for building that side of the ball up, I mean, he, he's had really good offenses uh, dating wow. back to his yeah. time from BYU. So, like, he, he he understands that it is yin and yang in, in college football, and it, it's not just focusing on one side of the ball. you, you got to be able to put up points. And and I think it's all about timely stops, and, and I think he, he would kind of say the same thing right now. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get into a, a couple of, of, you know, 45 42 type of shootouts, you know, can you, can you come up with that one stop um, to, to, to kind of hang on to the ball last? And um, yeah. you know, his teams have been able to do that in, in the past. And I think that kind of also speaks to really, you know, the Colorado job, the Wisconsin job and, and this job market too, is the fact that you, if you're losing, it's, it's one thing, if you're losing bad and you're so not entertaining as, as a product that puts the pressure on a head coaches even more, you know, like, like the, the margin for error, if you're winning like a, a 62 to 60 type of game. And, and, and if you're winning a 17, four, 14 type of game, like the, there are two different kinds of pressures. And, and I think it does speak to that. Hey, this is an entertainment product. You got to be entertaining a, a, as a football program. And I think those coaches that are kind of uh, a little bit he- head in the sand that want to say, you know, what, we're, we're going to be uh, ground and pound we're we're going to control the clock and, and we're, we're, we're going to eke it out on the last possession. You really cannot do that in college football anymore. You, the most you, you want, you need to win more than anything. But you are a thousand percent right that this is an entertainment business. It's I think this is definitely true of basketball and it's other sports here too. And you if you can't win, you have to not be boring. Um, I think of Purdue this year. Do you think Purdue is that good of a football team this year? Like based, I would say 
they're just they're, they're decided they're 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 a football team. But when I watch a Purdue game so far, everything happens all of the time. Um, could there be uh, a, a busted play that goes in 70 yards in either direction at some point? Sure. Will the quality of every play that I watch on either side of the ball be excellent every single time? No. Do I have a compelling reason to watch at 11 o'clock kickoff? Yes. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to be a team that runs 100 plays and scores 60 points a game to be entertaining but not very good. Um, I think if you are a defensive-oriented team that prioritizes defensive havoc and does that well. Like, could I see a world, theoretically, a world where UMass under Don Brown becomes an entertaining bad team because they get seven sacks a game and either if they're either going to get you for defensive of uh, to a negative play or give up a hundred yard touchdown, like that's still fun. And, and people know what they're getting and, and they're, they're still connecting to it um, to be the platonic ideal of the bland 11 AM Jefferson pilot ACC game or big 10 kickoff game where it's 12 to seven or basically what Iowa offense is right now. Iowa might still win eight, nine games even, and nobody is having a good time. Not the people on Iowa, not the people watching Iowa, not the people collecting checks from Iowa. It is a dental appointment of a football game, and that's not a business, which is really what all of this stuff is, you know? Oh, well, you, you mentioned Iowa. I, I, I had a, a bit of a conversation with somebody uh, who was coached in the Big Ten and uh, just saying maybe this this actually puts some some additional pressure on, on Kirk Ferentz to, to make some changes. Because, <laughs> like, you know what? Okay. He, he is definitely uh, very, very, uh, you know, insular and, and, and focused on on being very Mr. Iowa there. But, like, you know, Paul Chris, nobody saw this this type of firing coming and you know maybe the the pressures of that the changing nature of the job the fact that i was not just going to be able to feast on on playing the illinois and northwesterns of the world um as much as they have been you know this this is going to be a new new era for, for the big 10 and uh, you kind of wonder is kirk ferrets equipped to make those changes um not just offensively but but just kind of in general for the program itself and um you know i, I think it's going to be, be very interesting beth beth goats uh just recently hired as, as their deputy ad i know a lot of people think he might she might be be the um, person that takes over for Gary Barta eventually uh, as, as AD. So you kind of wonder, is is this enlivening and, and new blood kind of coming into the department uh, going to be possibly pretending some changes at places like Iowa? I, I think there are a lot of jobs out there that are kind of in this this same vein of, of Wisconsin, of an Iowa, even if they're having success, the nature of these jobs are changing. And, and that's added pressure to not only the head coaches, but uh, to everybody in the department as well. I would just... I don't want to get angry emails about this, but I would I would respectfully say I think your thought process is correct at almost everywhere but Iowa. Where oh we yeah, know- I, I think we know Iowa well enough to know that yeah, this, is, right. this is a pipe dream. But I, you know, you kind of just in the back of your mind, yeah. if you would you would have said the same thing about Wisconsin uh, six weeks ago, right? I, I would have. Right? And, and, and in fact, it's funny. Like during that Illinois game, I tweeted like the, the Charles Barkley gif about we are going to have a dialogue. And I said, Wisconsin, it's time. And my, when I tweeted that, I wasn't thinking you need to you need to fire Paul Christ right now. But it would you know it would be you can't keep doing what you're doing here. And, and it, whether that means changing some assistant coaches or changing your scheme or having the humility to acknowledge that it's no longer 1974 and you might have to do something a little bit different. Um, you know whether that's I don't know like hypothetically a program like Cal that hey maybe maybe that needs a different offensive identity. Uh, or, uh, I mean, like that's kind of what Syracuse did, right? Like they made that, you know, they made some, some pretty substantial, uh, 
you know, changes there on both on uh, or on that coaching staff, and now they're they're much more watchable. But Iowa, of course, um, given multiple opportunities over the past couple of years for the Ferentz administration to show some introspection and and think maybe we should change the things, not just schematically but culturally, um, the kind of environment we foster for our athletes to make them feel welcome and accepted. What we saw was basically doubling down on all those things. Look, the, the man has his kid running calling plays. And Gary Barda gave both of them tenure and, uh, you know, directly oversees Brian Ferentz instead of to get around like uh, nepotism laws. I will believe that Iowa, as we know it, modernizes when people are no longer working there. Like I, I look at that as like 1988 Soviet Union. Uh, the, the, it, it will have to fall apart from within and then and then and then then then, then things will change. But for everyone else that doesn't exist in that bubble. I think I think I think you're onto something. The stakes well, have raised. Well, I mean, things things can change from within. Uh, they, yeah. They're in Iowa City. I mean, you, you look at just if if they keep this up in terms of just the the offensive malaise after six or seven weeks, and and maybe it's more of a regression to the mean, and you know that they're winning more six and six, seven and five type of type of season. You know what? Maybe maybe there are some internal pressures that uh, get added to the mix because it is going to be a new era for for a lot of these Big Ten schools and. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's just it, it's it's a much more competitive league. Uh, you know, you look at uh, an Illinois under under Brett Bielema. I mean, they they have completely kind of changed over these last couple of years. Um, you know, the, the system is in place, and and now they're rolling. And um, you know, I, I think they they probably if you give them a little truth serum, uh, especially given that they're ending in their in their their lone loss, uh, they they probably think they they should be ranked right now and, and in the top twenty five and undefeated, especially after beating uh, Wisconsin the way they did. But um, yeah, this is a, it's just a, a different era for, for a lot of coaches. And I think that's kind of why we, we talk so much about burnout and, uh, you know, the, the coaches are feeling it too. And, uh, they're, they're feeling these additional pressures. The, the thing for them, oh, they are, they are well compensated for, for, uh, feeling all of these things. Unlike, unlike us right here on this uh, here podcast. Yeah. Right. Paul Chris, good guy. Paul Chris takes a dude, negotiates a lower buyout, still going to walk away with more than $10 million. And we'll and, probably, and some lump sums too. That's, that's and, right in, 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 a, in a briefcase. And if he wanted a staff job for another P5 school, I think he could get it. If he wants to go get on Lake Mendota and and do nothing but drink uh, cold beer and fish for the rest of his life, he can do that too. And then that that's fine, right? Um, when we burn out, we 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 don't get that. Um, if you subscribe to extra points, maybe we could, but but we're not we're not we're not at that point yet. Oh, uh, we're probably gonna do this whole song and dance next week. We did not plan when we sat down here for our our schedule and what we're working on the next couple of days to just do a recap of who got their ass fired every week and what they're going to be doing, but that does seem to be where we are. We are running out of coaches who are uh, obviously on the hot seat, I think with maybe one obvious exception. But if Paul Chris can be fired, maybe some G5 coaches can be fired. Uh, too, because we are now heading into the the time of year where historically an early firing might occur. Um, well, Brent, oh, please. Well, I was, I was going to say, should, should we set the number right now? Should we do like? Uh, I'm trying to think if uh, in my Vegas mind would I set it at at point five or if I had set it right at one. Uh, what you would say in terms of coaches. Firing. I think, not, I th not that we enjoy reveling in, in this type of conversation because we're talking about uh, a lot of impact that, that goes on for, for these programs, for these fan bases, for these assistants, their families, yeah. all that stuff. But like, you know, this is the kind of topic right now in, in college football. And uh, I, I do feel like it's setting it at one uh, is, is probably a pretty good number right now. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would push. I, th I think next week it will be one. Um, but you listened to me last week. This is this is not the area where I am. I mean, if, if you were asking me about Division two schools reclassifying, right, I might be able to give you a more educated guess, which is one of the things that I am hey, writing about. 
We might next be uh, we might be talking yeah. about that in next week as well. That's the, I mean, that if you are a paid extra point subscriber, uh, you'll be able to get some more information about exactly that this week. I know of a couple of institutions that are, are in that process. We have some updates both in the Midwest and in New England and potentially elsewhere in the country. Um, we uh, I shared an explainer earlier this week explaining what multimedia rights are which is you know, something I think I'd like to continue to do a couple other times here at Extra Points. Multimedia rights are not broadcast rights. The MMR contract is not the football game that you see on television, but for most schools outside of the Power 5 Elite, this is actually the biggest contract uh, that, that they get. And we're explaining you know, what, what gets sold there, what that means, what, what, what you as an as a educated fan or I mean, if you're an administrator, you better know what MMR is. If you don't, like, don't tell me. Like, go, go look it up first. Um, but you can find that extra points along with some other things. Uh, Brian, beyond your coach chats, what else are you working on that people need to be seeing right now? Yeah, I had another edition of Head Coach U uh, drop this week. Uh, but before, as, as you're listening to this podcast, it, it is available whether you get wherever you uh, are listening to this one, uh, whether it be uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, whatever whatever it means. Uh, we had Chris Peterson on, a uh, great conversation with him. Uh, we talked uh, back to, back about his UC Davis uh, days and, and and learning from the you know the, that staff and and uh, a lot of uh, you know how, how he kind of ran his program, how he recruited folks. Uh, really, just kind of going on the state of the industry as well. And I even asked uh, Chris if he's uh, kind of like Brian. Bronco, he, he's taking a pause. It's, it's been three seasons now, but um, w- would he ever look to get back into him? So if you want to know the answer to that, um, and perhaps your school has an opening, uh, definitely check out the, the latest edition of Head Coach U. We, we obviously got uh, going for two here, uh, rolling right along, and then uh, plenty of stuff on, on Collegiate Sports Connect uh, and, and Fox Sports. I got a couple of columns up uh, per week on, on that one as well. Um, if you are enjoying the show, by all means, please leave us five stars on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, comments on YouTube to help boost that algorithm. Uh, all of those are greatly appreciated. Uh, you can find everything that we're doing here at extrapointsmb.com as well. Uh, we will be back in touch with you next week. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with y'all soon.